Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. He want to put his name on it. <laughs> Welcome to Food for Thought. A podcast gab fest wherein a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, identity, culture, what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for thought. Our cakes are so moist, they'll never go stale. Oh my God. <laughs> True though. Jesus. Where Jesus. is the lie? I'm Tommy Teeves Pico. I'm an indigenous American poet, editor, and I'm in an elevator to the top. Ha, see you later. I'm gone. Penthouse sweets, bitch. <laughs> And I'm Fran. I'm a writer, editor, and you're so vain. You probably think this podcast is about you. Uh, and you know what? It really it is. This, po- this <laughs> podcast is. is definitely about you. I am Joseph Osmondson. I'm a scientist, nonfiction writer. My gender is tube socks, and my sexuality is jock straps. <laughs> <laughs> tube socks are so hot, though. I kind of feel like my Born in the right is- context. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. You guys. And I'm Dennis Norris the second, and I'm a reader, writer, a former figure skater, and Adam Rapon's clandestine butt pad. Oh, oh, oh. no. <laughs> I'll allow it. Fran, tell us what we got on the menu this week. This week, um, we're reading Thought Off the Presses. If you thought that Joe had a max capacity for emotions, you thought wrong. He's going to give us even more. Even more. Even for more. the thought process, mm-hmm. we drag our exes for a full 30 minutes. We just, like, go. We just, like, <laughs> go and don't look back. Like, fucking full Thelma and Louise, ahead. that shit, you know? And uh, we just kind of skate right into dessert with literally the gayest thing you've ever seen. Like, if you thought this podcast was gay, we're going to out-gay it. <laughs> <laughs> That's our challenge every week. <laughs> Take it away. Nom, 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 thoughts. <laughs> Let's start the top of the show the way any good top should with a little tease. Our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh. And to amuse your booshes this week, we're debuting a segment called Thought Off the Presses, where we share interesting, perhaps salacious, but always tasty stories from the news. Who wants to go first? I'll start. Yeah, yeah. we usually mm. record these episodes so far in advance that they have to be evergreen. But this time, we're going to be releasing this week, so we get to talk about stuff that's super timely. Ow, ow, and ow. Um, maybe too obvious, but the presidential portraits of Barack Obama and Michelle Obama have been revealed. So gorgeous. Uh, oh, they were so beautiful. The artists were Kehinde Wiley and Amy Sherald. It's the first time an African-American has ever painted the presidential portrait yes. for the mm. National Gallery. But aside from that, it's the first time that these portraits have ever had any kind of point of view. Like, mm. Barack Obama is surrounded by um, leaves, and then um, I have this, that there are chrysanthemums for the State Flower of Chicago, right. where he got his political start, Jasmine for um, his start, in his where he was born in Hawaii, and then African blue, lace, blue lilies for his heritage in Kenya. It's a really gorgeous portrait. It's, like, very fantastical, and Kende Wiley is queer. Yeah. So there is a kind of a queerness Ooh. of the way it's looked at. 
that. And then Amy Sherald is like Stop an amazing me. woman in and of herself, like an, a literal survivor from Baltimore. Like both of their both of these painters' stories are like truly the American dream. Like nothing to like everything. And Amy Sherald has Michelle Obama in a Millie dress that's Ugh. super mm. couturial. Oh, it's super gorgeous. Very very like astute and like represents Michelle so well and how, how there's never been a president like her and I feel and like <laughs> I, no, I we, feel we wish, we wish she had been president for <laughs> there, no a president's a, a flotus you know what I mean <laughs> She she is the president. Though. She was the president of my yeah. heart. Yep. She is the president, Joe. How dare you? <laughs> Stop fucking telling me what to do. Um, but yeah, I, I think there was something really beautiful about the way these paintings kind of subverted really tired-ass, old-ass patriarchal structures. Yeah. And when they had announced the, the artists, I was so worried that they were going to be constrained or that they were not going to be able to really show what they mm. could do as yeah. artists and like was not disappointed in the small bit they have there's they show such progress mm-hmm. such yeah. future it was exactly what the presidential portraits should be when you're just like epic people making epic work yeah yeah, yeah what, what i loved is that they all stuck to their signature like the two artists yeah. stuck to their signature yes. it's like her signature is gray skin tone so mm-hmm. she does she paints all folks she paints in gray tone and, and it then like ext- locks the, yeah. the exactly. focus on it and then and then pastel backgrounds and then my god that dress and the way the dress oh sort god. of framed her as like an almost a piece of architecture or a piece of, piece of landscape and she's mm-hmm. sort of sitting at the top almost like a motherfucking deity mm-hmm. which we know so, yeah. she is like I actually was so drawn to the to the portrait of Michelle even more than Barack it was so I stunning I actually 100% agree and I felt like I love the Kitty Wiley portrait I love his work in general it was quintessential Wiley that painting it was absolutely beautiful and one of the things he talked about which is part of what I loved about this whole decision is that he said the whole conversation of my work has to do with power and who has it and you can mm. see that mm. oh my in, God. in the depiction of Barack Obama in the way that he's sitting in the way that he's staring into I guess at the viewer um even in the someone commented um, in my social media, which I didn't notice until they said it, but even in the um, the size of his hands, which I thought maybe that's a little bit <laughs> yeah. of a dig. Lol. Um, but also in the Cheryl work with Michelle, the specific reason why she does paint her subjects in gray, which is to extract them from race and from mm. that whole issue, and I not as an issue so much, but just as a narrative element. And I thought that mm-hmm. was a really incredible. Um, context and theory behind mm-hmm. her work. Yeah. The, the the painting is really sort of light and airy and powerful at the mm. same time. And um, there's a way in which I think that that personifies Michelle's presence in the White mm-hmm. House. Um, but the whole thing, like, they were intentional about making, making their portraits political. And that's mm-hmm. why they chose the artists that they chose. And I think that was completely radical and revolutionary. What about you, Joe? Um, I have two. One is really, really short. Um, it is a Facebook post made by our good friend and zaddy of the show, Alexander Chi. Yeah, um, it was and, so good. And it was so good. It was it, so good. Literally, the thesis of the Facebook post is don't write without getting paid for it. And yeah. I think this is extent. You can extend this to all creative production. Don't make music. Don't make websites. Get paid for your work. And he makes a bunch of reasons. And um, reason number one, he says, is quote, it is part of my activism as a writer to ask for money. So. You're doing labor. Ask for that labor to be. Um, to be paid for. Uh, and number four, my experience thus far is that if I give writing away, people don't respect it, right? Mm. So there's actually this feeling he basically is talking about when people ask him to do things as a favor, then they, two years later, when their shit is on, on when their shit is doing really good, they don't return that favor. They forget all too quickly mm-hmm. about the things you do for them, um, seemingly out of generosity. So 
get paid for your shit, yeah, y'all. It, it's it's respect for the it, like what we do is labor too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's my one one quick like evangelizing uh, via and we can put it in the newsletter. Um, and the other one is very quick also, but so delicious. Cardi B at New York Fashion Week. Oh my god, sitting. Neck to Anta Wintour. Mother, oh there's five photos. You see, I think literally for the first time in my life, I saw Anna Wintour's teeth. Oh like my God. she actually, and I can't tell, I honestly, God, can't tell if it's a grimace or a smile. Oh like my God. just with her, you can't. Knowing Anna, um, it's both. It's, <laughs> but like Cardi has the most fabulous nails that I've ever seen her oh, with, which I mean, is continually, which is yeah. Yeah. Continually, yeah. she just gets better um, and better. She can literally oh, kill someone. The photo, you guys. It's amazing. Oh, Alexander it's amazing. Wang, oh my God. You know what? You're an asshole, but like, <laughs> Props to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Props to you for sitting Anna yeah, next to yeah, Cardi. Yeah, that yeah. was yeah. genius. That, oh. that was our proof that Anna is, in fact, human. <laughs> I feel like. I still, no, and I'm not. And not, not, not 100% deity. I'm not sure. I'm actually, I, I think she's <laughs> de- deity or devil, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> I think she probably vacillates between the two. Cardi, Cardi B is a deity to me, that for yeah, sure. Absolutely. And even some kind of like uh, uh, singularity robot. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's like, that's how I feel. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah. think she could pass the Turing test. I'm pretty you know sure if you ever were to touch her she would just turn into like green holographic ones and zeros you Wait, know what i mean honestly same <laughs> <laughs> literally like that's like what people say to me after we go on dates Fran right. hugged me earlier and turned into a mist <laughs> there was no there there well um, speaking th- since we're on the the topic yeah. of new york fashion week the this is teams what i wanted to bring up was christian siriano's celebration of having 10 years in the game with wow. this 72 um look Exhibition. I guess I would call it uh, extravaganza in New York Fashion Week. Extravaganza. And he had people like Danielle Brooks walking for him, people like Cardi Mm. B in the front row. And it was lauded for its inclusivity of different uh, shapes and sizes of different models and different skin colors and tones and all that. And like, you know, Christian Siriano came across my purview the same way he probably came across everyone's, which was by winning Project Runway in like 2007. years ago? Really fucked up. 11 years ago. Really fucked up way. I mean, like, oh, was a really fucked up person on that show. He was. I mean, it was, but the thing is when he, he kind of he, I knew like about him yeah I knew about him but he didn't actually come across my radar really until like last year I think when he um, dressed Leslie Jones for the red carpet for the mm. premiere of Ghostbusters when, when no literally one no one else would and I was right. like alright I see you yeah, but I didn't yeah, yeah. actually really I mean and I thought that was um, a, a great gesture but I, I read this interview with, uh, with him in the cut that I actually started to respect him, mm-hmm. right? And he was talking, I think it was like around the time that his show came out uh, this week, and he was talking about how like, you know, this is what I divined anyway, that he doesn't know that he can ever actually accomplish anything, but he's always willing to try. Yeah. And trying is so fucking important because like that's how I, you learn things, uh, right? Not to mention like he, when people ask him about it in interviews, because now every single interview will interview will be like, oh my God, such diverse bodies, this is amazing. He, at this point, he just kind of shrugs it off. He's just like, why are you even asking me this. Yeah. yeah, and like everyone should be doing this. He doesn't, I don't he doesn't why people revel don't. in it. Like that's yeah. not the point. Like he just he doesn't like, yeah. he's there for the challenge of yeah. the garment. And, he's and there for an, making clothes for people. He's yeah. like, if women aren't buying clothes, I'm not gonna sell anything. So women have to buy my clothes, and so it, I'll make it for different kinds of women. And yeah. it also goes to show that people can grow. Like that's he got yes. that famous from using the T slur over and over yes. and over mm-hmm. again on the show, and it was literally his catchphrase. Mm-hmm. That's so fucked up, and he was so uneducated. Now he can like look back on that like with disdain and like by and saying 
saying sorry, but the fact that he can come so far is amazing. Isn't that yeah. incredible when you can watch someone grow into a better version of yeah. themselves? Like yes. artistically, yes. politically, in the public eye, we give people space to grow, and then look. Occasionally, people motherfucking do it. Yeah. yeah. There's a final little flourish on that show. I, um, I, I watched the finale. I don't know if the song was playing throughout the entirety of it, but uh, "Dreams" by the Cranberries was playing, which I later oh realized. Which I later realized was um, uh, Christian Siriana's boyfriend Brad Walsh covering it. Oh. But still, like hearing that song, I got really emotional because. I still haven't really dealt with Dolores O'Riordan's death. Yeah. Like she died, the lead singer of the Cranberries died last mm. month while we were all in LA actually and stuff has been popping mm. off since then and I haven't really dealt with it but that band meant a whole lot to me. Teebs, and Teebs and I were away all weekend and he literally spent hours singing the Cranberries upstairs oh while God. I listened from downstairs. It was, I felt it in you. I felt yeah. this in your spirit. I mean, and because... It, the Cranberries, well, my mother would listen to the Cranberries a lot when she was, and my dad were divorcing. And mm. we had turned our garage into an art studio so she could paint and, and do sculptures in there. And so I just remember her, my memory of the Cranberries anyways, her listening to them very, very loudly, me on the other side of her closed door just oh, wow. crying. Oh, dear. Oh, God. Oh. And so I, I, I sort of saw the show as both a celebration of his 10 years in the game, but also like a remembrance of Dolores. Oh, my God. And also just a little side note, like there are times Tons of other designers out there that are also using like amazing, fantastic, diverse bodies and people of color. There's like Telfar, there's Chromat, there's Gypsy Sport, there's Palomo that is like mm. constantly fucking with gender, constantly funded, fucking with like the industry industry standard of like what a model should be. And y'all should go stock them because Christian Stiano is great as well. But like these are all amazing brands that are really Absolutely. upping the game yeah. and resetting the standard. What do you got, oh. Dennis? God, oh my God. There's so much happening in the world right now, and I'm excited about all of it. First of all, not to bring back the Obamas, but I'm going to bring back Barack Obama because people know <laughs> that there was a photo that turned out to be fake. I knew it much, was fake. I knew it was fake, Joe. I knew it was heartbreak. Fake. Oh my God. A photo that turned out to be fake of Barack Obama with facial hair and like salt and pepper facial like, hair. It was beautiful good. salt and pepper, very on brand for George Clooney, honestly, <sighs> salt and pepper facial hair kind of way. And I'm not going to lie, I arched my back when I saw the picture, <laughs> and apparently all of Twitter did too, because they <laughs> were all about it. A it was like of, a disturbance in my force. I could, in the force, I could feel Twitter. Everyone knew. It just went everywhere. Listen, whenever Barack Obama gets finer, it's a disturbance in everybody's force. If not, <laughs> if not, they pants. Um, a couple of tweets shit. that I love. <laughs> Bro, why is Barack Obama out here looking like a whole snack with the beard? I was not prepared. A whole snack. So true. <laughs> Um, and I'm making a personal choice of refusing to believe you that, that it's fake. The beard is real and it's on Obama's face as we speak. And you'll never take that alternative fact <laughs> away from me. <laughs> and there was one more it's that like, I love. It's like Schrodinger's beard. It exists and doesn't it exist and exists. at the same time. <laughs> there was one more that I loved that was just like, I'm still a lesbian, dot, dot, dot. Aren't I? <laughs> I was so like, yes. Alex, our so, lesbian producer in the corner, spit out her rose. <laughs> because it's real. And the second thing is, it is the Olympics. We have lots of Olympic themed things to talk about. And I'm just going to bring us back to the figure skating world for a minute and talk about my girl, one of my favorites, 
motherfucking Marai Nagasu. Yep. Uh. Um, the backstory on Marai Nagasu is that she made the Olympic team in 2010 when she was 16 and shocked pretty much everyone in the skating world by finishing fourth at those games. She skated flawlessly and then she proceeded to have a career that had a lot of turmoil and a lot of trouble. She came really close to making the Olympic team in 2014, but a lot of people know there was some controversy because she finished third at nationals, Ashley Wagner finished fourth, and U.S. figure skating named Ashley Wagner over Mariah Nagasu. Mm. Mariah has been working her ass off for the last four years. She made the Olympic team this year, and she completed um, a clean, beautiful, flawless triple axel in her free skate in the team competition. And just... Have you wait, first of all? Have you guys seen the video? I have saw you the video. Yeah, I saw it. It was so good. It's and I had just watched incredible. this video on um, I, it was like CNN or somewhere that was like, why can't anyone do the triple axel? And it was like all about Nancy Kerrigan or mm-hmm. not uh, about um Tanya Harding. Tanya Harding. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So this is how epic this is. Um. So. Like, all of the triples are called triples because you have to do three rotations in the air. And with a triple axle, you take off going forward on the ice, and so you have to do an extra half rotation. Mm -hmm. So it's very difficult for a skater to get their single axle. It's very difficult for a skater to get their double axle. And obviously, it's really difficult for female skaters to get a triple axle. And so Mirai, when she landed it, it was the first time she's landed... It was the second time she's landed it cleanly in competition. And she became only the third woman in history Um. to do a triple axle in the Olympics... And she became the third American woman ever to do a triple axel, ever, anywhere. And she became the first American woman to do a triple axel in the Olympics. Wow. So she she made history. She's going down in history books. She is inarguably now one of the greats. And I'm so happy for her because this girl has worked so hard. Right. Come on our show. Engage Ah. in our faggotry. We know that you're best friends with Adam Rapon. Yep. We know (laughs) that four years ago when you both didn't make the Olympic team, you were sitting on a roof eating In-N-Out Burger while the Olympics were happening. Is that really what happened? That is really what happened. They have talked about it. They have like talked about this. Oh my God. Um, So please come on our show and celebrate your amazingness with us. We love you. You, you. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, babes. For our next segment, we're going to school of thought. It's spelled T-H-O-T by T-H-O-T. doing a little reading of Inside Out by a little-known thought named Joseph Odsmanzik. I don't know her. <laughs> I've never met her in my life. No. I don't know who you're talking about. This work has been described as a heartbreaking work of staggering penis. <laughs> that will never not be funny. <laughs> it's a, a series of numbered vignettes reminiscent of Bluets by Maggie Nelson that, uh, amongst other things... Uh, depicts a romantic relationship in the midst of conflict, right? Mm. Full disclosure, we recorded an episode full of us discussing this at uh, at Housing Works. It was a live episode. The recording didn't end up getting actually recorded, but we thought it would be a good exercise to fold this into our discussion about exes with a book about exes. Mm. Really, literally. From the world's cryingest writer, (laughs) Joe. The world's cryingest. (laughs) But where is the lie? That's really good. New Twitter bio. That should be your Twitter bio. (laughs) The cryingest. So we're going to start with a little reading from Joe, and then we're going to read Joe. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Teebs, you want to take it away with the epigraph? Upside down. Boy, you turned me inside out and round and round. Oh, my God. Sorry. I'm just... (laughs) (laughs) Three. He was everything to me. A million things I couldn't turn away from. He was the type of man I never imagined myself with. Beautiful, charming, easy, tall, stylish. He taught me that being beautiful is also a burden. His beauty preceded him in every interaction he would have, and we all wanted to consume it, and therefore him. 
I always saw him as more than that, which is why he loved me and why he kept me outside. I was everything he had waited for. I was dangerous. I was his salvation. How terrifying. His beauty left me chasing him. It left me always outside, knocking on a door that only occasionally opened. A door he alone controlled. What freedom to have no control to simply wait. Yes, the times he let me inside were ecstatic, but mostly I was outside, as I had always been. 11. He had grace. And what is grace if not control over our bodies? I never had that, but he had learned it in movement, in conversation, in sex. So, he taught me how to douche. (laughs) You're allowed to laugh, thoughts. (laughs) I had never cared enough before to find out what worked for my body. I had used a brand that had made me clean, but wet. Too wet. He liked a clean bottom every time. So I learned, and his brand worked best for me, too. I would bike to his place. I was too poor to take the train douche, shower, and then I would be ready. But he started to complain. Why couldn't I come over ready? We were standing in the hallway between his bedroom and the bathroom he shared with his two roommates, who were also pretty gay boys. Because I have to bike, babe, and I get sweaty, and I need to get ready, and it's just easiest if I do it here. What I meant... I'm not graceful, and my body melts and sweats, and if you want me clean, and I know you want me clean, then I need some time. What I meant, I'm your boyfriend, and you love me, and I love you, and that means you don't just get to fuck me. You don't just get that version of my body. You get the before and the after, and I don't understand, and I will never understand, not really, why that isn't the best part of this, of this thing we're doing. What he said, fine. He didn't like to see the process. He was used to hookups by then. Boys who show up ready, fuck, then leave. He liked them showing up ready. And he liked them leaving. That's fine, babe, but I'm your boyfriend, and I have a body, and it sweats, I sweat, when I bike, and I don't have much grace, but I'm learning. And just give me 20 minutes, and then my body, my body and I will be ready for yours. Okay? Okay, babe? Fine. 14. Redacted. (laughs) Well, all right then. 25. He taught me to moisturize my face so that I would always stay young or as much as possible. 66. I worry that it isn't really too late, that I might still go back to him and to all this. So I list the things he did to me and the things I did to him, and the list is long. I burn it and start again. Burn, start again. 75. He told me once, when we were breaking, that he can do bad all by himself. Sex parties, threesomes, boys, boys, boys. That cuts to the heart of it, doesn't it? As much as he used his power to control me, I knew that the end was coming, but I couldn't let go. I couldn't let go partly because I wanted him and partly because the idea of someone else having him and his sex made me crazy. I wanted to control his bad in order to make it my own. That's not love. I can do bad all on my own. Yes, my love, you can. And so can I. I can do bad. I can do good. I'm sure I'll do both, but on my own for now. On my own, or at least without you. Outside your world, finally principled.
This message comes from iHeartRadio sponsor, Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should really think about getting a quote from Mercury. Because Californians save an average of $677 with Mercury. It's quick and easy, and in just a few minutes, you might find you could save a lot of money on your auto and home insurance. Plus, Mercury was named one of America's best insurance companies by Insure.com four years in a row. Low rates, big discounts, great insurance. Go to mercuryinsurance.com today to get a quote. It's crazy how much we have to pay for outdated, impersonal health care, and even crazier that we all just accept it. It's time to face facts. Healthcare is backwards. Luckily, there's Forward, a new approach to primary care that's surprisingly personal and refreshingly straightforward. Forward never makes you feel like just another patient. Backed by top-rated doctors and the latest tech, Forward gives you access to personalized care whenever you need it. Using in-depth genetic analysis and real-time blood work, Forward's top-rated doctors provide you with in-depth insights to better understand your genetics, mental, and physical health. They then create custom, easy-to-understand plans to help guide you to achieving long-term health. With Forward, you get unlimited in-person visits with your doctor and access to care anytime via the Forward app, all for one flat monthly fee. It's time to stop accepting backwards health care and start moving your health forward. Visit GoForward.com today to learn more. That's GoForward.com. I'm Whitney Dow, co-host of Reparations The Big Payback. On this season, Erica Alexander and I explore the arguments for and against reparations for black Americans. Everything that has touched us in a way that profited from us and we did not owes us. The attitude that most non-blacks would take, they're being shaken down for something that's not their fault. All episodes of Reparations The Big Payback are available now. Listen on the Black Effect Podcast Network, the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. Here Comes the Break is the groundbreaking podcast sparking real conversations about creativity, mental health, friendship, family, hope, and music. Asante Black stars as Ruben in a fictional narrative featuring real interviews with emerging artists. What advice would you give the families and parents about supporting a teenager that wants to pursue the arts? If you see they're dedicated and you see that they really mean it and their grades are good... (laughs) Mm. Then let them do it, man. Let them do it. Get inside Ruben's head to learn what drives him. See, no one wants to be a Hollywood celebrity anymore. No one my age, anyway. I mean, we want to be internet famous. We want to be influencers motivating our peers to become followers of what's trending on Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram. And find out if Ruben can survive internet fame. No, 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 no. Marco was right. No need to psych myself out. There is no turning back now. Listen to Here Comes the Break, starting May 13th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snap. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Okay. So the burning question for us and the burning question for everyone at home is what brand of lube was it? What lube, Joe? We We have to know. know. The the people are demanding to know. We all have our favorites, so we need to know. And what douche? Yeah. Oh, yes. what what douche? What the douche is the fleet liquid glycerin, the little one. That's very mm-hmm. important because I used the big uh, fleet before, um, 
the sailing douche and you the sailing handle douche. The big fleet? Is that what no, you're saying? The, I could not handle the big fleet, but the big fleet mm. made handling the big dick much more difficult. So mm. the little fleet, mm. it's the little liquid glycerin fleet. And also... Little so, liquid glycerin fleet. So every week is fleet week. <laughs> <laughs> little liquid glycerin fleet is my drag name. The other question that I have is like, so, you know, this is obviously like a flawed and bad relationship or whatever, yeah. but he literally said I can do bad all by myself when you didn't just dump him then for being corny? Um, uh, <laughs> if, if, if I had to dump... So this person, every time they were corny, it would have lasted about 37 <laughs> minutes in the relationship. Literally. Um, I'm, I'm actually a little surprised at you. <laughs> I'm a little surprised at myself. Mm. <laughs> Where should we be? When it comes to relationships and you. There's nothing about... I feel like there's nothing about this book that surprised me in yeah. terms of like things that I already knew about you. Right. Not you in your value you, yeah. as a writer like or how you write. Just in that I already know you as a person. So yeah. I wonder what someone else's experience was in, in reading this if they don't know you at all. It mm. was the same because they follow him on Twitter. Oh <laughs> I mean, I do think that that's one thing I try to do in my work is that I try like Teebs and I talk about persona all the time and we're going to have a show soon on that because I think the notion of building up a writerly identity that's somewhat different from your um, identity IRL is is a really healthy thing for writers to do. But Mm -hmm. I'm like, um, in my work, almost incapable of that. So Mm -hmm. my writing, I find, is at its best when it really is when it's closest to my soul as possible. As Mm -hmm. I'm going to break up with myself for being corny because that was really (laughs) corny. But like, it is... You said soul. You literally (laughs) sat there and said soul. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so sorry, everybody. How dare you? Um, (laughs) No, but I think that like I view craft as an uh, ability to actually get to know my my own self and my own thoughts and then as to get the work on the page as close to that as possible. Well, speaking about craft then, why did you choose to do vignettes? It's really hard to depict a relationship with any sense of reality because relationships happen in sort of discrete moments. Like when we remember a relationship, we remember like the moment we met and the moment we kissed and then this time fucking and then this time at an art museum or whatever. Well, it reminded me of a tide. Yeah, you no, know, like absolutely. something that sucks you back in. Well, in that way, it wasn't. I mean, it it, it retains a narrative quality without yeah. having like a three act structure. But that's yeah. how abuse feels as well, right? Because abuse feels like you are you are always being you you are like the tide going out 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 out, and then as soon as you're about to be the water freed, the thing knows that you're about to leave and it pulls you back mm-hmm. in. So that sort of sense of going and coming and coming and going it very much feels like to me what an emotionally abusive relationship felt like. Well, and it's, I I. Yeah, was that like intentional for you on a craft level? Because that was one of the things that was most powerful to me in the book as well. I felt similarly that there are ways in which it felt like the reader was being abused. I mean, that might be a strong term, <laughs> but but in terms of the way that you do that, it as seems a reader, to you're like, the action. don't yeah. do this. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a horror movie. We're like, don't go in that room, and right. the person goes and in the, the room person goes anyway. in that room. Yeah. No, and w- even just then, the way that you hold back, because there's like, you're not explicit about it, uh, explicit about everything in the book. Yeah. And because it is written in such short bursts, you'll get these moments of intensity, and then it's like silence and then a redacted moment and then you get another short intense burst and it's sort of like it is very much like a tide like Teeps was saying it wasn't so I never like we we chatted about this off mic Dennis Um, it was never actually intentional that idea of um, holding abuse or control or power over the reader of the book but what what I said to you then and I do think that you actually helped me understand this about the narrative itself is that coming out of an emotionally abusive relationship it was really important for me to be able to control the narrative because one thing that happened with me in this Mm. partnership was that my partner was trying to like he would do things like cheat on me or treat me like 
trash. And then I would even tell that to my friends, just to talk through what was happening in my relationship. And he would be like, oh, you're trying to turn your friends against me. Or, you know, he tried to control essentially how I talked mm-hmm. about our relationship. And you're even, like, no, baby, you're doing you know, bad all by yourself. You're doing yeah. bad all by yourself. Mm-hmm. But like, I kind of was sucked into that. And so when we broke, when I finally decided to break from this, it was incredibly important for me to write a narrative without caring about his feelings and actually to be able to control the narrative myself, which is why I understand why a reader could feel that way because I'm being so intentional and I'm saying, nah, like this is my book and you're along for the ride. You can see into it, but like this is my narrative to tell. And that was what was healing for me in the writing of this. But like mm-hmm. that is also how abusive relationships operate, right? Yeah. Uh, and on that note, Joe, like fuck any ex, fuck any person that like, <laughs> has a problem with like you putting this narrative out. Ugh. Like there's so mm. much, there's so much. There's so many problems with your ex being like, mm, you wrote a mean story about me. Oh my God. It's just like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. We've talked about this on the show before, but like, if you have a problem with people critiquing you on the air, if you have a problem with people saying, oh, this is the thing that they did, you have a problem yeah. with living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to yeah, live yeah. Well, yeah, is to be uh, subjected to people's criticism. The thing is that this person had a problem with living. That, yeah. I mean, that's that was that's, really the problem yeah. is that, like, if I, I mean, and this taught me something that, if you date someone where you say something that they did that hurt you and they melt down, or mm-hmm. if you say something that like, hey, when you do this, it makes me feel not great, and the person punishes you for making them see that in themselves, like that's a mm-hmm. sign to stay the fuck away from that what person. Is, yeah. What Psychosis. is, honestly, what is a problem with living if not a problem being seen? Yes, yep. exactly, right? Yeah, and like, it. I think that's the thing Oof. is that like, and for, for him, I was that mirror that he both couldn't walk away from and couldn't face, right? I was, he... This person loved me deeply, and I don't doubt that at all. And this person was reckoning with things he didn't like in himself, and mm-hmm. I don't doubt that at all. And so the fact that he was sort of punching and counterpunching, then pulling me back in, like all of that makes so much sense because he hated seeing, he seeing his actions yeah. in in the mirror of my love, right? And and so absolutely, like. And speaking of mirrors. How did you feel about Justin Timberlake's Super Bowl performance? Just kidding, no. Oh my god. (laughs) But another thing about like mirrors in relationships is also the potential for what you're seeing back. You know, have you ever seen one of those mirrors that's like it, it's like they're super intense and you see like every single fucking pore in your oh, face? The, like, oh, the the like God. zoom in mirror, oh, yeah, 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 the one yeah, that yeah. flips around in the, the vanity yeah. mirror. Yeah. So it's like yeah. imagine like you know you're comfortable being in a relationship and having a mirror up to you, but that person, their yeah. mirror is that one under fluorescent light. Oh and my God! I, I will acknowledge as a sort of public announcement that that is what dating a Pisces is like. <laughs> because we can be a little exacting and we can't, like, if I have a fault in relationships is that, is that I sometimes don't allow people space to just be and live and grow and trust that that's going to happen without them doing harm to me. And that also has to do with the type of relationships mm-hmm. that I've been in. No, the but, amount of, maybe, I feel like that might be a Sag thing too in the sense that, like, so many of the people who've dumped me have been like, you just see everything. Yeah. Or maybe that's just uh, us because we're smart and discerning. <laughs> Sorry. I think that's like the, the perfect place to pivot. <laughs> so here at Food for Thought, we always say that we are brought to you by the love and support of Rosé. And that's still true. That's still true. Drink it but, if you got it. Yes. But today, we are also brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace. Well, let me tell you, if you've never listened to a podcast before, or if you've never heard of Squarespace, <laughs> Squarespace is a website wherein you can make 
more websites. <laughs> as many websites as you want. Like my website, it's imfran.com. Plain and simple. I am Fran. It's a website about Fran. My Squarespace website is josephosmanson.com and it's like incredible. I have a Squarespace website too and I love it. www.dennisnorrisii.com I have had literary agents connect, contact me through my website. I have even had older daddy types contact oh, me through my wait, website, which I'm not on your mad at. I have found dick on my website. So much dick on your website. So that is a thing that can happen too. What, what about, about you, Tommy? I don't have a website. Oh my god! Tom. I don't have a website. Are you kidding me? I don't, what's a website going to do for I me that I can't even. do for myself? You are the they most just said you can have dick. You can get dick on a website. Oh, where you can get yeah. it can be tall dick, dick too. You and never know. Money. And when you're ready to check out, go to Squarespace.com for a mm. free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code. T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. It's going to feel so good typing that into your keyboard. Yes. The beginning of your fat life. You can save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Yes. And honestly, it'll help us too if you use that domain. Help so. us help you. Yes. Help yes. us help you. Fat's got a fight. Sites on sites on sites. <laughs> mm, it's time for the meat of our conversation, the thought process, the T-H-O-T. And this week, we're talking all about uh, exes. Oh, I've been waiting for this episode. Uh, JFC just fucking chill. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Joe, throw it to us this week. Yeah, so we wanted to talk about exes because, for one, they're just a fact of gay life, especially as you get older. They're the wallpaper that surrounds us silently watching. The ugly wallpaper. <laughs> just hideous, mildewy. And for two, all of us in this room have dramatically different relationships with our exes and with the idea of exes in general. I don't know what you're talking about. Fran, for example, calls everyone he's ever kissed or DM'd for more than two weeks his ex-boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, give or take, yeah. Dennis considers all his butt toys exes after only one use. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and if you didn't get me to right quote Dennis, where is the lie? <laughs> and he only uses each butt toy once and then throws them away. And Tommy doesn't have any exes because once he senses things are going downhill, he simply deletes them from his phone, blocks them on email, and pretends they don't exist. Aww. For the record, Tommy also does that when things are going well. <laughs> ah, drag me to hell! <laughs> where and, is the lie? And <laughs> Dennis quoting Dennis, where is the lie? And me... My exes haunt me. I'm writing two books about them right now. At least and you're I'm making a profit. I am texting hey. at least one of them as we speak. Uh, the way we consider oh. our exes, I think, tells us a lot about how we think about the past and how we think about pain. Our exes tell us what we cut out of our life and maybe why. Are we so afraid to feel that we end up cutting ourselves off? Is the past something we can heal and recover from? What do we carry with us and what power do we have to decide? Is it better to simply forget... Or does forgetting mean we've learned nothing? Mm. Do we carry our past loves in us, whether we want to or not? So, thoughts. I want to do a little baby thought exercise. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, dear. Your phone goes off. Uh-oh. You open it up. No. I am not answering that call because I don't answer calls from numbers I don't know. So, if they're an ex of mine, I don't have their number in my phone no what? more. So, <laughs> or real Teeves, talk, it could be a bill collector. Teeves, Wait, Artie, what's the difference between an ex and a bill collector? Uh, oh, <laughs> My God, put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> Teebs, uh, answered my question already. You open up your phone. There's a text not just from any ex, but from that ex. Saying he's in town. 
and he wants to get a drink. What do you respond? I text them back because I love attention. I love, <laughs> I love attention. I love unadulterated adoration, and I love having things to write about. And I Ooh. feel like going going on a little thing with my ex, whether it's shitty or like whether it's great, I think is an amazing <laughs> experience to have. And I will always text them back. I don't have how I have terrible relationships with all my exes, oh, but I don't truly really every, friend? really every single. One, but yeah, I have I have really shitty relationships with all of my exes, and I know that says a lot of things about me. Um, but uh, I think that when they would feel okay to reach out to me, I'd be kind of like, oh, okay, they're opening the door back. That sounds great. That's huh. that's beautiful, Fran. I would say I'm surprising. an old evil bitch, and what I would do was say, I'm not to be a stereotype, but I actually just did get a new phone, and I ha- I didn't import I didn't import my contacts yet, so. Um, who is this? And then they would, re- and then and then they would respond, and I'd be like, oh, and then I wouldn't respond again. <laughs> that is beautiful. And I who this embodies actually the O actually. It's not the who is this because the who is this can be just like a hurtful thing that you. It's the O because I know what I'm doing. I know how I know how I want you to feel, and you are in my web right now, and I'm gonna fucking eat you. <laughs> and you will too. Um, I wish I were ashamed to admit this, but I'm not. My criteria is pretty simple. How big is the dick? Oh, how I, big is it? Bye. Wow. That's what I need, Joe. Joe, I want horrible, but it's true. So you brought this up, poking fun at me, and it's a totally fair point. But because I, I do call people that are not my ex boyfriends exes, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. because I think that the word ex has one too much cultural weight to it, but two is too limiting as a term. Huh. And I feel like I have people in my life that are have the emotional impact, or rather, the the drudgery mm-hmm. shit of any. ex ex-boyfriend but they're not technically an ex-boyfriend right in the in the canon of francabulary yes Mm -hmm. it is in the the canon of francabulary and and i'm i'm wondering how do you guys feel about the term x what on a language level is the word x like not enough well directly refer is it too much it's it's um uh like a it like truncates ex-boyfriend which means that like there has to be a A boyfriend boyfriend at the other end of that x right 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 but I was just going to say, Teebs, that um, in, the, in the same way, we talk a lot on the show about in the ways in which heteronormative relationships are limiting. And so, like, the term boyfriend is limiting. And that mm-hmm. can mean different things. I think that, you know, to be a boyfriend, we typically yeah. imagine you have a sit-down conversation, blah, 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 blah. But, like, especially in the world of gay dating, like, you can be emotionally attached to someone mm. without having had that conversation about monogamy it's or absolutely. boyfriends. So right? what do we call those people? Like, I have some, yeah. I, ha- I had someone in my life who yeah, I yeah. texted every single day from wake to sleep for a year and a half. Yeah. We visited Ugh. each other in each other's homes. We, like, the we closeness. introduced each other to our, to our friends. Wow. Like, what do I call yeah. that person? Am I not allowed to call them my ex? I don't know. I yeah. think you totally are. And actually, little known fact, Fran, doing this podcast with you and hearing you talk about guys who hadn't necessarily been explicitly a boyfriend and calling them an ex is what gave me the permission to start referring to people from my past as exes who (laughs) I maybe like didn't sit down and have a formal conversation with about them being a boyfriend. Tell us about it, it, No, it's just, it's true. Like I, I've not been in very many like serious relationships. I've been in like (laughs) maybe one, (laughs) what a couple of scenarios where I've been like, Oh, maybe I'm like almost in love with this person. But what was your, what was your, okay. I'm curious about this. What was your Dennis? What was your serious scenario? Or the most serious one. So the most serious scenario was this guy that I was seeing um, four years ago. And we were seeing each other for almost 
maybe like eight eight or nine months like we were seeing each other for a really long time listen in gay years that's like 12 years that's that, that's that's, so that's, a, that's a long ass time gay we were, city years right we were i mean we were ex- we were exclusive we um i actually did meet his family i don't really talk to my family much about my dating life and i was like very much considering telling my family about it and like we were both thinking about really beginning to like plan a future together and that's actually kind of where why we decided to break it off but um but we he and i even never called ourselves like are we boyfriends like we never had a conversation mm-hmm. about it and i just felt like linguistically speaking it, i used to feel like it was so limiting but the thing about language is that you can queer language in so many different ways True. and our relationships are <laughs> queer and the way these things operate so often are queer whether we're talking about like like LGBT and we're trying queer to use normative just, language yeah. to yeah. Yeah. Them. And it's right not, which doesn't make the sense things that we're doing not, are not normative i yeah I, I don't know if this is you as well dennis but sometimes it's an insecurity of mine an insecurity yes. of not having enough yes. access and mm-hmm. so we just call everyone my exes to make them seem even less important or even more inconsequential but the other yes. big disclaimer to this is that I love to say shitty things for attention mm. and <laughs> like as a person who does things almost only for the punchline I feel you friend and, and the word X has such a good punch to it yeah it does um, especially if you land it right and so yeah that's I will say and that. they aren't X they could be an X fuck buddy an X lover an X anything mm, exactly. like we've all and, had X boss like like, mm. it doesn't just refer to the word boyfriend. True. Anyone who's had, in any way, some kind of significant impact on you and is no longer a part of your life. Which, for me, like, I I don't understand this whole bullshit. I want to be friends with my ex. Let's try to be fr- Like, no. Do you, wait, you don't Dennis, want me. I don't you, want you at all. You don't, Get so, out. So, D, you are never friends with your exes? No. Hmm. I have never been friends. I actually, I have an ex now who has a, like, 12-inch dick. We text a couple times a year. You he lives in California. Such a of yourself, oh I, I, I don't wish, even know they make them in 12 inches. I, I wish I were lying, and I'm not. And I will take his text messages, and we talk, and we're friendly. And it, there was no ugliness to the way that we ended. Most of the time, I feel like when a relationship ends, I move away from it, feeling like in some way I wasn't enough for you. I wasn't good enough for you. You were looking for something. Like, I, I just have this way of thinking about it and thinking about myself, which mm. in some ways says a lot about my self-esteem in this arena of my life. Yeah. But that's the truth. So for me, to have exes in my life would be further damaging because wow. I'm just going to hmm. look at you and I'm still going to have feelings for you and I'm probably still going to want you hmm. and yeah. you don't want me and like I that's like very difficult but for me I to think deal though, with but okay so I'm insanely curious about this idea of being friends with exes. This is Tommy. Just because, like, I think a lot of it has, like, it depends. There are a few incubators for this, ultimately. I think one of them is time. Mm. I think, and again, this might just be for me, but if if we break up, I can't see you for a long time. Like, I just cannot see you for a long time because I have to reformat my life without you so that I can Mm -hmm. come at you again as a different person. Yes. Mm -hmm. As a friend. Or, you know, as a person that we see at brunch every now and then or as a person whose birthday party I go to or whatever. I just need a reformatting period. The other thing is how it ends. Because yes. that plays a huge role into things. Same. I think, like, so I I have an ex who... I'm gonna, he, I think he listened to the show. He's like friends with a couple of us. And um, when we were dating, he wasn't a very nice person to me. And I spent a lot of time away from him. And I, I love him now. And I love his, bo- I was going to say boyfriend. I love his husband. They're married. Ugh. And like what, hap- what, what happened was though that he came back to me a while later. And he tried to kind of insinuate himself back in my life. And I was like, look, 
What I can do is I can send you writing that I've done. I can send you zines mm. that I make. I can send you a text message every now and then. But if you think we're going to be friends, you have another thing coming to you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what, ha- what he did, though, and he was like, what, is it, what do you need? And I was like, the entire time we were dating, you made me feel like the grievances I had in the relationship were my invention. Wow. I don't mm-hmm. think that they were. I don't think I made them up. And no. what he did to his credit, though, is he like did like an itemized list of all the shit that he did, and he o- owned Amazing. up to all of them. Yeah. Wow. And he was just like, I am a different person now. One of the things that we don't talk about often enough when we talk about losing exes is something that Dennis actually said that it reminded me of, that like his most, the most painful loss of an ex was someone that he had started to imagine a future with. Mm. So like the most painful... Mm. Thing to lose. There are two most painful things to lose when I lose somebody. It is number one, that person. It's like the actuality of that person, their body, their presence, their voice, their laughter. My favorite, my most painful thing to lose is um, making that person laugh. Like that's the most intimate and special oh thing we do. This is I, this is something that I wrote into Peeps. junk my book where it was mm. like one of the one of the saddest things is to have inside jokes with an ex and, and you both gone. know them but nobody else does. But mm. gone and then it's gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, But the only thing sadder than that is to lose the future that you imagine together. Yeah. Because that is a construction, a narrative that you built only together, and then the other person isn't there to share it anymore. And Can this you still whole, do that. I, can anybody? Can, I mean, uh, can Dennis. You, can, I mean, and Fran and Joe. Like, uh, this is T's. But uh, are you at the point where you can? You do you think you could let somebody in enough that you could begin to imagine a future with them? Um, I just ask this question because, like, in a way, I feel like that vision, that foresight, has kind of. I don't have it anymore. No, me neither. It's like it's something that I had with 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 a person, and 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 and, and I just like I, I'm trying to regain it. I think it's the potential for it can still be there, but it's a, it's almost a, a thing that you let unlock and and, and unload and, and and unfurl inside of yourself that you have to then recognize as something you don't have control over. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. to to lose control it's... with somebody is like I, I just I feel like I've done it so many times that yeah. that part of me is rubbed raw. Yeah. yeah. And it's absolutely destroyed. Yeah. I, I don't feel like that part of... Yeah, I'm in the exact same boat as you, Teebs. And I guess, I mean, a, a, a little... A, a second question on top of that question, and, you know, asking for a friend here, of course. But, like, <laughs> how do you... How have the people who can still love at this table? <laughs> <laughs> he points, um, he points to Joe y- and Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> how do y'all... How did y'all learn how to love again after Actually, being destroy it now well i'm just saying um, the thing is okay what i'm gonna say is that like just, that what okay i, I want to ask another question too which is like is it harder to get broken up with by somebody you like or is it harder to break up with somebody who likes you because mm. the, what destroyed my ability to look forward with, to a future with somebody wasn't somebody breaking up with me wow. it was me breaking up with somebody else Same. and having to look across the table <clears throat> at their face hopeful mm-hmm. that we were still going to be together and for me to tell them i don't want to be your boyfriend anymore and your biggest crime was loving me i've only uh, been yeah. oh my god i've only been broken up with once uh. i'm always the one who's the breaker upper and so i have a lot of experience on the topic <laughs> um, yeah. but it is really fucking hard it's i think it's so i think it's hard. really hard to break up with people and i would say it's harder how do you do, do what is an ethical way to what is there an ethical way to break up with somebody are you always just it's always going to be painful right there's no well, way of mitigating pain in a situation no but because how do you make it the i don't know how do you un, make the pain as uncomplicated as possible when you're 
when you're in pain, you're irrational. Mm -hmm. So the person's reactions are rarely ever ethical. I think it's always the person who's getting broken up with who's more, who, no, I shouldn't say that it's more than that, but there's a lot of times when the person who's getting broken up with is more irrational, more unethical, and Mm -hmm. they weaponize their hurt, they Mm -hmm. weaponize their pain, and then they make you pay for it over and over again to an extent Mm -hmm. that is wrong. And Mm -hmm. I've, I've been on the receiving end of that. And I've also been the person to do that mm. in yeah. the, one, the one time that I got broken yeah. up with. I've like, you know, fucking dug that grave as far as it would go and tried to yeah. drag him down in there with me. Literally doing feel, that right now. Yeah. Make him feel as bad as fucking possible. And then like, lo and behold, two years later, the exact same thing happened to me in, in reverse relationship karma, y'all it exists. Well, what's some advice you would give a more desperate, lovelorn version of yourself. So me right now. What, <laughs> well, <laughs> you okay. most of the time. I, I have some. This is Teebs. I have some. Teebs is pointing say, at Joe right now. I would, I'm, across I'm, the I'm table. I'm sort of pointing up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointing at an angle. First of all, I think it's you have to remind yourself that you're under the influence of something. Ugh, it's a I drug. Think, yes. It is. And that, Love like, is a drug. And that Grace your Jones. feelings are there, but your feelings are not facts. You know, that is Dr. John. You should fact check. Speaking through you. Thank you. Joe is like, Mm -hmm. you're lying, you're lying, you're lying. Another one is I think it's it's very important to have people to text so you don't text that person. Oh, that's really good. I think it's also important that you vet your responses to that person with your fucking friends. Yes. Because yes. that's what, then the thoughts is here with me. Like we have all after done we it. met and, and before we started this show, I was going through a breakup and I drafted texts with this group of people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what sounds good? What should I do? Everyone had suggestions and I sent the messages that I sent him because of this group of people. So I oh think it's God. important to like, okay, it's important to have people to text and not him. I think it's important to have people to ask how to respond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to remind yourself that you're under the influence. And it holds you yes. accountable to yourself. Like, running these things through your friends holds you accountable to yourself and reminds you that you're on a drug and that you should, like... It's literally the same yes. thing as Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> it's like having people <laughs> hold you accountable, remembering that you are rendering yourself unrecognizable to the sober version. And like, if you don't have friends, you can do this to at us on Twitter, food for thought pod. And we will workshop your life. Literally though. Workshop your tweets and checks. We actually already get a lot of tweets like that. So we won't be able to personally respond to you. Like just, (laughs) no, the other other thoughts, the the murder of thoughts, the the larger community of thoughts. Yes. But we might, if something, if something really reaches us, we might personally, you never know. What's your advice to your, you know, heartbroken self? Bitch, get back up. If if Nancy Kerrigan can like go win an Olympic <laughs> silver medal, how do you always bring it back cap? to skating? I really do. No, but I. It was a silver. Like, yeah, it was an Olympic silver medal. <laughs> she sh- she should have won gold though. That but kills that's a conversation, right? Yeah. <laughs> but no, real talk for me. So for f- when I'm really lovelorn, I have to like just really throw myself into like everything that I'm doing because again, for me a lot of the time it mm. feels like an attack on my self-worth. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I interpret that as because I am sensitive and insecure. So Preach. what that means is that I, ha- I have to really throw myself into the other things where I, when I'm feeling low, where you derive get your shine self-value, from. where yes. I get my shine from. So, like, throwing myself into my writing, sending work out to try and get it published, like trying to like actually have a good attitude and work really hard at my job. Mm-hmm. Like it's just all of the different things that I do in that way. Reminding um, yourself what you give a fuck about. Reminding myself what I mm. give a fuck about, what my purpose here. No one ever, this is the thing. 
in our society, very often we move through the world as though it is our purpose to find that particular relationship. But no one actually said that it is or has to be. Mm. So for me, like I, it's okay to hurt after a breakup. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to mourn for myself or mourn for the person and mourn for the moments or mourn for the intimacy. And mourn for the but future, yeah. I have wonderful people in my life. Mm-hmm. So I can be grateful for that <laughs> and find solace in the things that make me me. That you as a person have work. attracted all of these other people yeah, maybe not necessarily that person, but like yeah. that, that you still have attracted good things in your life, and to remember mm-hmm. that that just because a thing, just because a thing was real, doesn't mean it's going to be forever, and doesn't yes. mean you are a bad person because it didn't work out. Fran, <laughs> baby, um, my advice for myself would be to feel it, like don't numb yourself too much, like really mm-hmm. feel it, mm-hmm. turn that into art. Mm-hmm. Don't show anyone that art for like five or six years because it's like <laughs> true. not going to be good art at mm. all. Like it's going to be really bad. Um, side note, the moment, the hurt that you feel right now, like the agony that you feel right now will be like such a blip in just five years. Fuck yes. Maybe, yes. maybe three. Yeah. Maybe even two. I can't mm. say one. Time is one. like such a good equalizer. But like it, thinking about your life from a bird's eye view has been really healing mm. for me. For not just breakups, but for like things that you go through that are really hard. If I'm able to like, you know. Any kind of rejection. Yeah. yeah. If I'm able to float above my head like 2,000 feet and look down and be like, oh, this is actually, this isn't going to hurt in five years. Mm-hmm. If you think about that, it doesn't necessarily make the hurt go away, but it it um, contextualizes it in a way you that, get some I, perspective. that I think is helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the last thing is like, I, I would kind of like, you know, I would want to give like a tough love kind of talk. I'd be like, mm-hmm. why are you letting men break you? Mm. You yeah. should be the only one that can break you. Mm. Like, I, I'll be proud of you when you break you. Mm. I don't want men to break you. Ooh. Hello, my socially active gentle thoughts. Did you all know that if you did not get enough this trash talking conversation, first of all, you're filthy. Come on. You're disgusting. And we love you. Oh my God. If you did not get enough in the thought process in our main discussion of the podcast, you can join us and all of our listeners on Twitter for the rest of the conversation. Now, each week, we will be pinning a question at the top of our profile and all y'all will be able to participate in the conversation. So like, if you didn't get enough, if you got a burning question, if you have other listeners listeners to talk to i will tell you all of our twitter listeners love to talk yes they all do. of our twitter's twitter listeners are finding each other finding each other in each other's men- mentions and now we are hosting that space come have a seat at a table find us at food for thought pod that's food the number four and thought spelled t-h-o-t pod on twitter so yeah get at us Woo. I've got that feeling like I'm full, but I could fit one more thing inside of me. Dennis knows how I feel. And to give us our dessert today, it is Dennis. <laughs> well, so y'all know I'm the little figure skating freak. And we're going to talk about Adam Rapon okay. because the Olympics have happened. And this is where we are. I'm actually really, really excited to yeah. talk about him. Also, I met him two years ago at my gala. Hi, Adam. Oh, Hope you're oh well. Oh, my God. Come on he's, the show. He's a sweetheart. Come on our show. Literally, I know though. you did the show with Jeff Masters, so do ours. <gasps> I didn't know that. Did he? That, that happened. Yeah. That oh happened. God, so, so you need pissed. to come on ours um, oh, because Jeff. I am a figure skater and Fuck we can chat. You. So, Adam Rapon. He has been obviously huge in the Twitterverse and the media in general because of the ass. Olympics. And in the ass. <laughs> there is speculation that he skates with butt pads. And he's put those um, to rest. 
That's just real. He bad. has put the and I I will I will admit that when it that looks. conversation first started happening, I thought it might be because they are positioned exactly where they should be for when he falls on his quad luts. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> of, course, of course, of course, Dennis. But jargon. But I have been convinced that he is in fact not competing in butt pads. But basically, um, we have been all about Adam Rapon because he has he's the first um, openly publicly yes. gay athlete. To qualify for the Winter Olympics, like extremely ever. gay, like excruciating. Like, let's be clear, gay. he's certainly is the word. For he is, <laughs> he's certainly not the first gay athlete at the Winter Olympics. I mean, neither was Johnny Weir, mm. but like we oh don't have God. to look very far in the past. Like, to, gayer to, than to know. Elton John at but, Disneyland, like it was. Just um, and love the candelabra. Love you. them, love them. But like, he's not the first one to actually be there. But he's the first one to be pu- to be publicly right. out before he qualifies, and that is a huge moment, right? Because, because everyone knew Johnny Weir was Johnny Queer, but nobody's <laughs> like he. But he wasn't saying that, so nobody was saying it as well. But can I say that this is something that's very true of the Olympics? The Olympics are very conservative, Mm -hmm. politically incredibly, and I think that that has to be the context in which we have this conversation. That and the context of the butt plug in chief is what this political moment is happening right now. Because remember, I think I want to put this this show in the context of the 1968 um, Black Pride. Black Power salute uh, in the Mexican uh, Mexico City Olympics, and it was Tommy Smith and John Carlos, mm-hmm. uh, and there mm-hmm. was a, a white man from Austria who was also on the podium, um, and they all suffered horrible consequences. They were essentially yeah. ostracized. Australia. Um, Australia, you're right, Australia, um, almost kicked out of the Olympics. Um, essentially ostracized, like take a lot of the. Um, like uh, accolades, or accolades, or like financial gain that could have come to them as Olympic medalists were taken away, uh, and it was it was for being political. It's like the Olympics are supposed to be apolitical, mm-hmm. right? But and so, I mean, because nothing not. is apolitical. Nothing really. is no, apolitical. No, no. So right. they can't be. Right, right, right. But that's, I think, right. the context, yeah. the reason why there are sports been... in general, right? That's the whole movement we're having right now with, like, take a knee or all, any of those Exactly. It's supposed to be like, oh, well, this is just fun in games. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? right? Like, we want to be able to come and watch the sports ball game without feeling all, like, polarized. And, like, we have to take a stance on things. But, of course, like, these are bodies doing yeah. labor. They exist in the capitalist system. They are going to get money or not get money, right? Like, there's this right. whole larger framework. So, it actually is a, the thing that makes me so happy about Adam Rippin is that it, ta- is it, it actually was a huge risk for him yeah, to be not just out, but then out in a way that like, we don't have a lot of public figures who are that flamboyant. Yeah. And call and calling out politicians, like actively calling out Mike yeah. Pence, who um, was at the delegation for the Olympics and calling him out for some of his policies and things that he supported, like supporting um, gay conversion therapy and saying that we should be funding it. Like yeah. he's been incredibly outspoken. And this is also a thing that in figure skating, like kind of a little known fact because it's a really gay sport, but figure skating is actually a pretty conservative realm as well. And this is a sport where you are judged. And so people get to understand who you are, understand yeah. everything about how you present yourself. And they judge you on everything from your perceived social class, as some of us may have learned from the film I, Tanya, uh-huh. to the merit of what you do on the ice, to how you present yourself, to what you say. Like, you get judged, you get marked, and yeah. that can determine your career. Yeah. There's a reason why Johnny Weir skated into Olympic Games and was not publicly out of the closet. Exactly. Yeah, like, exactly. like that's, that's a real thing. And, and so, so what he's doing 
is extraordinary. It's like the thing where when you're queer or when you're a person of color, you have to be 10 times better at the thing you do in order just to be on the same playing field, right? Because objectivity is an illusion. Yeah. 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 Word. And I just love, (laughs) he just is funny and lighthearted. He said on NBC, on national television, uh, after his thing, I'm like, I just want a Xanax and a quick drink. He said he was going to ask the judges for like a quick, you know? And honestly, he's a grown ass man. Like what? (laughs) But, like, but the, the ability to be that flamboyant and that, like, just yourself in the public eye, yeah. I think, is is really quite remarkable. Me too. Yeah. There's also, like, I put in the doc, there's a, there, so earlier this season, um, at one of the major comp- international competitions called Skate America in December, he was doing his long program, he attempted his quad lutz, he fell, and in his fall, which was kind of a violent fall, he dislocated his shoulder, oh, shit. which oh. is easily oh. dislocated because he had a major dis- shoulder dislocation injury, like, earlier in the year. And he gets up, and he skates in a circle for a minute, shimmies his shoulder back into place in, like, three seconds, and then goes on to deliver a beautiful, flawless performance and won the silver medal. And afterwards, he was interviewed. He won the silver medal? He won the silver medal. And afterwards, he was interviewed by, by, um, I think it was Andrea Joyce, but I'm not sure. But anyway, he was interviewed, and he said, listen, he was like, I was like, I want my check. Yes. I want my money. I'm going to finish this program and I'm going to be great. But and like, he was. But it's badass. Any, anybody who thinks faggots is soft. That's exactly right, right, right. Oh my God. Right. Like, anybody. It's the ability yeah. to be like in the world's most excruciating pain and then get yourself together, do the best job you ever did in your life. And then like, and then throw glitter in the air yeah. and prance yeah. through it. Like oh it's God. just the ability to be all of it. Get so you, get Ripon, you a man who could do both. We are here for you. This week. Mm. We love you. Delicious. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our partnership with Into, an online magazine for queer news and culture. Head to intomore.com each week for a brand spanking new love note from your all-time favorite hoes. <laughs> our engineer is Alex Mead Fox at Spaceman Sound Studios, and our producer is the perennial hydrangea of our heart, Alexandra De Palma. Oh I'm Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs on all relevant social media. I'm Fran. <laughs> you can find me at Fran Squish Co on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and also Venmo. <laughs> Never I'm not. Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. And I am Dennis Norris the second, and I have a chat book out, and you can Woo! find that at www.awst-press.com or on Twitter at the Earl Den Den. Yes. You can listen to Food for Thought on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download golden audio goodness. Subscribe, rate, and review us five stars on iTunes <laughs> to make sure our DMs stay thick. <laughs> two C's. Yes, Find us on Twitter and Facebook as Food for Thought Pod and on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who, Who read. read. Sign up for our newsletter for episode insights, reading lists, and extra delectable content <laughs> at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics. Dick to thoughts pics. at foodforthoughtpodcast.com as always that's food the number four and thoughts spelled how t-h-o-t bye hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.